the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Bailiwick is open. Orleans is a spot. Two bucks off all the drinks during happy hour up until 6 o'clock when the puck drops. You got uh, specials on apps as well, so come on down. ESPN Las Vegas and Cofield and Company on the road for another game in these VGK playoffs. Boy Gaming, the official home of Lotus Broadcasting during the night's playoff run. Well, big news is out there, and I don't know that everyone has processed this yet or even had a chance to read about it, but the NFL, Candy, has announced the rules for fully vaccinated players and not fully vaccinated players. And there's some stuff on there that's going to really bother guys on both sides. Without question. I mean, and some of it's obvious, right? Some of the things we've seen in other sports where fully vaccinated players can be together in meeting rooms. They can travel together. They can go out on the road and be able to meet up with family, friends. They can go out to restaurants. All the things that you would expect, right? A lot of the things that we've been able to incorporate back into our daily lives. Where I think it gets really interesting is in two places. One, separate planes, separate travel. I mean, this seems to me to be quite a serious thing here when you're talking about having to add in extra logistics for the team. Who knows if the – what are you doing? You have to take a separate plane, separate bus. You're kind of creating two different classes of players within the team, right? I mean, you're kind of drawing a bright red line among – who's doing it and who's not in a way that last year I don't think was quite as obvious, right? Everybody was under the same protocols. The second thing, and this is the one that's going to be a direct hit, is in the wallet. It was very clear in the NFL protocols that if you are not vaccinated, no promotions, no marketing, they are not going to allow anyone who has chosen not to be vaccinated to go out there and make money on their own using their face. They're basically hitting them right in the wallet without a fine. A full list includes other stuff like testing required every day. This is for the not fully vaccinated NFL players. And there's a lot of holdouts. you got a lot of teams that are 50% fully vaccinated or less. Uh, the Bills, several of them have proudly proclaimed they're anti-vax, and they're not getting it. So we'll see how it works out in Buffalo. But, yeah, not fully vaxxed. Testing required every day. Fully vaxxed, no testing. Um, masks required at club facility and during travel for the not fully vaccinated. As Candy said, travel restrictions in effect. 15-player limit in the weight room. Um, players must be physically distanced in the meal room. May not eat with teammates. Okay. May not use the sauna and steam room. Okay, maybe not the biggest deal. And, again, on the road. May not leave team hotel to eat in restaurants. May not interact with anyone outside of the tra- uh, team traveling party. Uh, during team travel, and it's not clear on what happens in the facility. It says you have to be distanced, but I don't know if that means the uh, not fully vaccinated actually have to sit in other rooms, and basically what you have is a meeting. You know, it's, hey, it's our offensive line meeting. The fully vaccinated, you're in the room. Uh, The rest of you are on screens because that would be annoying as you know what. Beyond annoying, we are well into competitive advantage territory, right? We talked about it last year. 
We said the teams that manage this thing the best are going to get a huge advantage. And there were certain things that were out of the control of players, right? Like you couldn't control everything about your exposure. There were times you had to be in places where you were exposing yourself. Well, there are no excuses now. None. You have a way out of this. You have a way out of this that 140 million people in this country have chosen to use. And so if you don't care about your, you know, if you don't want to do it for yourself, then care about your teammates. Do it for the competitive advantage for the team. Here's John Gruden today around Raiders camp talking about the VAC situation with LVR. I speak for myself and the coaches. We've all had our vaccinations, and you know I think uh, our players have bought in. I think we're as good as anybody in the league or better. We hope to have every man vaccinated, and most importantly, every man as safe as possible when the season starts. Right. We'll build on that. We'll uh, bring in Caleb Herring, a former player, and get his perspective on this uh, weird set of rules. I don't think they're weird, but the working conditions are going to be uh, a little odd here with some having full access, others not having full access, and I wonder that what that does to a team element. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. <laughs> It's mandatory Medicamp. He missed it. They're probably not going to find him. But, I mean, you shouldn't be surprised. For Jordan Love and for the offense, assuming Aaron doesn't come back, this is such valuable time. Now you're really kind of studying what Jordan does best, what he does similar to Aaron, how that relates to how I call the game in the future. Hanging at Bailiwick inside of the Orleans, it's Cofield and Company. Brett Favre saying something there about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. It's Adam Candy, Cofield, you heard it. Orleans getting ready for the big hockey game tonight. Game two. Game two, we got a lot of football to get to. We got some NBA to hit on and uh, a lot more on the Golden Knights. In the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk to one of the Montreal media members about the Canadian side as they trail in this one, one to nothing. Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV, one of the voices of UNLV football, is up here on this Wednesday. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good, man. How about you guys? You guys staying cool out there? Everything good? We're good. We're very good. You don't complain about the heat, do you? Come on. You, you've been here way too long. No, I don't complain about it. I accept it. I know how to deal with it. It is the heat, and I will always respect the power of the Las Vegas desert heat. Yes. Um, and I will stay inside during the summer. It's a very simple solution. We have shelter, and this is why you know we build houses and have air conditioning units. And uh, I, I fully utilize them during the summer months. So I, I'm, I'm over complaining about it. I'll just acknowledge it's present. It's it's hot. It's summertime. It's here. So uh, get over yourself. Watch how horrendous this one sounds, right? As a guy who didn't do it, talking to a guy who did do it. Can I tell you one of the things I thought of when I saw that it was going to be 118? I was like, man, those sidelines when I'm reporting at the football games are going to be real nice at the Al because <laughs> Sam Boyd was pretty hot. Now, you can fire at me if you want. Uh, can you remember a game at Sam Boyd? I mean, some of the August, late August games and September games at Sam Boyd, when it's really cooking on the field, it must be crazy when you're wearing all of that football gear. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, the amount of sweat that you, you have, I mean, just coming out for warm-ups or you're just walking around with that gear on, I mean, it's like 30, 40 pounds worth of gear, depending on what position you play and what all you got on. Um, it's ridiculous. And, of course, the field 
temperature is always hotter than whatever the outside temperature is because that turf, the rubber, um, it heats up pretty hot on that turf. So, no, it's it's brutal. I, I know we always had the late game. It was seven or seven thirty early in the season uh, for that reason to try to at least help with the sun uh, not beaming down directly on us. But no, it's it's one of the the the, the worst experiences <laughs> playing those early games, the late August, early September games in San Boyd. And then it's kind of the full circle because then you get those late November games up in Colorado Springs or something like that. So you got one of the hottest games of the season at your home stadium and then the coldest game. on it's, it's, but Yeah, weather, that heat was, was kind of unbearable at times when, when you're playing it. God forbid a day game. Oh, my God. I, I feel bad for the guys up there. Oh, yeah, this year at Air Force to close out the season. So that could be nice. Or it could be a living hell on the field and around the stadium because you played in, like, one of the worst Air Force games ever. Yeah, minus 13, I think, with a wind chill. So it was just after a blizzard. So it, was, it was pretty bad that game back in 2013. But, yeah, so it's been bad. Hopefully it's not that bad this year. But those late games, you never know with the weather up there. So let's talk about something John Gruden. We were just kind of joking about it. What John Gruden said today about the Raiders, about his guy, you know, he's got guys who like playing football. They like each other. And he made a reference to, we have no energy vampires. Again, you played the game. So I'm sure you're, you know what he's talking about. And you were around guys where you're like, dude, like we're trying to achieve here. We're trying to overcome. Stop with the negativity. Energy vampire. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it, it can go. There's two different ways that you can be that vampire. They talk about, and I've definitely been around both. Uh, there's guys that are just negative no matter what, and it's kind of their defense mechanism. They're uncomfortable with 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 you know challenging things in life, and maybe it's not a football thing necessarily. Maybe it has nothing to do with their desire to play and be a part of a football team. Just that's their demeanor. They just have a negative outlook on things, and and they can zap the energy right out of a room. Um, I've been around those guys. Then there's the guys which is a little bit harder to deal with who are just so good at it. Like, they're good at football. They you know, practice and the things that other people need energy for and focus to do. They're just naturally gifted at football. So their demeanor is just isn't as urgent as the rest of us, right? Like, we're on the field trying to grind and do the work that we need to do, and then this guy just comes out and, and you know, makes all the catches, does everything that he's supposed to between the lines, but isn't laser-focused and having the same, you know, intensity as the rest of the guys. So it, both are, are energy vampires, to use that term. But it's it's kind of harder to deal with that second one because this guy's doing what we're asking him to do, but he's not motivating anybody else to have energy or spunk or or what we used to call false enthusiasm at practice. You know, like he's not going to get the juices flowing or anything like that. He's going to do what he got to do because he's the best at it, and then he's going to go to the locker room and, and be done with practice. So energy vampires are a real thing. It's, I never heard it called that, but um, it's it's a thing that that happens on on teams and anywhere where you're practicing. Sometimes the energy just isn't there, and hopefully you've got enough high-energy guys that can get the practice going, you know, to kind of combat those energy vampires throughout the day. And, you know, everybody has an off day. Sometimes you, you don't plan on being an energy vampire, but just the fact that you don't got it that day, you become that guy where nobody really wants to be around you because your energy is off that day. So it's a real thing. You want to minimize that, especially when you're in practice settings, like off-season workouts, um, going into fall camp. You want guys with high energy and focus to be locked in on getting better, and, and I think that's what the Raiders need to be doing right now. It makes sense even for those of us who did not play the game but have been a part of any sort of team or group that you work together with and, and you know who that person is, and it it starts to draw a line. It starts to divide a group. And, you know, Caleb, when we look at the rules that came out today for the NFL for vaccinated players versus unvaccinated players, it seems like we're in another spot here 
where there are going to be some divisions that get drawn within a team, especially teams that don't have a lot of fully vaccinated players when you look at some of the privileges that the vaccinated players will have versus the unvaccinated. Uh, What were your thoughts when you saw the rules came out for what the vaccinated players can do versus the unvaccinated? Well, first, I want to just say that was a beautiful segue. Um, then I oh, want to say, thank you. <laughs> I, just, I just want to say, you know, initially looking at those rules, you know, I, I saw the NFLPA involvement, so they were involved in getting that. Wasn't the league just coming down with a hammer saying this is the way it's going to go, right? Um, but then, I, you know, after thinking about it, you, without saying that vaccinations are mandatory, you're doing everything by the, the, the massive lines that are drawn there between vaccinated and, not, and unvaccinated players. You're doing everything in your power to push people towards getting vaccinated. So it's I, while you're not mandating it, I think, like you said, the energy of a team that's really trying to come together and have the best chance to win and do what's right for the team and putting the team first, any player with that kind of uh, motivation behind it would definitely look at it and say, well, we got to vaccinate, guys. Everybody get on board this vaccination. I know we got, you know, whatever feelings we, we you know, about, you know, anti-vax or whatever the, the case may be. Um, but because of these rules, you, those guys are probably more likely pressured into just buying into what the team's doing. Because it would help the team for sure with those rules to be vaccinated. Um, you look at some of the things like like not eating outside of the hotel and uh, having to get vaccinated every day or, or excuse me, tested every day if you're not that like those things that just make it uncomfortable and challenging for an organization to deal with, whether it's on the road or at home um, or in the practice field or in the film room. Those little limitations that are just nuisances throughout the season, I'm sure would be much better without, right? So it was, the pressure's on for players to kind of either change their tone and, and submit to vaccinations, really, which you, you hate the way that sounds, right? In a free country, you hate, you, know, you hate the way that sounds, but, you know, that's the kind of way. Then the second thought that came to mind was that we've kind of, as a country, this kind of goes outside of football, uh, as, as a nation, kind of taking this, concept or this idea that we're going to prevent or stop every disease or to stop this disease. Well, I understand doing your part and trying to help and, and using all the precautions to, to the max, uh, you know, kind of forcing that on people's hands in a way without really mandating it. You know, whether it's, you know, non-vaccinated people in the community don't have to wear masks or at the gym don't have to wear masks or at Disneyland now, you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks. Um, those kind of things that are incentivizing kind of this movement to do something that before COVID was not normal. It wasn't, yeah, vaccines existed, but most, you know, some weren't mandatory. Like, we, you get vaccinated when you're a kid, but the flu shot wasn't mandatory at any point um, in these past, you know, decades or since I've been an adult, right? So it's kind of this wave of, like, we think vaccination can stop COVID. And, you know, God forbid something happens in the season where somebody who's fully vaccinated um, winds up testing positive for COVID. And then it's like, well, now what? Now what do we do? Is there, is there different rules and regulations for somebody who actually tests positive for COVID who's vaccinated? Do they not have to quarantine now? What, like, are we still worried about the health and safety? And I also thought about the fact that, you know, most of these stadiums are going to have full fans in the seat. Um, it, are they all going to be vaccinated? Are they all going to have to wear masks? Are, you know, what's the deal with that? Because now you're basically making your players give up a freedom essentially or or lose some privileges so hey, there's a lot to it but you understand where the league's coming from and as a team player you would definitely feel the pressure and i think rightfully so to to lead the way kind of on getting vaccinated even though you know some people are showing that they have some strong anti-vax stances i think the team player here 
goes ahead and gets the vaccination and, and, and tries to do the best to give their team the competitive edge, so to speak. Yeah, and put a pin in that idea because I want to come back to it here in a second. But to your to your question, you know, what if somebody tests positive post-vaccination? It's exactly what we're going through potentially with Chris Paul right now, right? We don't know. We don't know whether he's uh, received the vaccine or not. We're going to find out pretty quickly here. But the NBA changed its protocols in March to say that players who have been vaccinated, you know, essentially if you can test your way right back out of it, uh, and not have to worry about sitting for a longer period of time. So that certainly would be, you know, potentially part of the equation here in the NFL. And, and that's the question I wanted to ask you about the the teamwork, because I feel like with football, we hear more of the, and I don't use this as a negative term, more of the rah-rah about teamwork than we do in just about any other sport because you have the largest potential, you know, group of players, 80, 90 players that you're trying to get on one page every week. I, I would feel like, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that the peer pressure in football would be about as heavy as in any sport to get the whole group together in one meeting room, in one plane, in one bus to get toward that one goal that everybody has? Uh, well, I, there is a, a lot of pressure from the team and doing things for the team in that aspect. Uh, if you're talking about preparation and actually, you know, film studying, all this, there's a lot of breakdown within that large team to where you can individually set, you know, position group goals or position group focuses or what the receivers are doing versus what the quarterbacks are doing or what the, the whole line's doing during a, a preparation week or, or anything like that. But the overall team goal, there has to be some sort of camaraderie on what the goals are for a, a given season, whether it's, you know, as, as obvious as win a Super Bowl or make the playoffs, win division, those kind of things, or, you know, community outreach uh, and, or things like that, that the team has to be focused on together. It's kind of a unified decision. Um, you know, things as simple as team captains or, or what music we're going to listen to or whatever the case is, things like that that are real trivial. There's always, like, a pressure for to satisfy the team's needs first. And that, that's a concept that you have to buy, to buy into as an individual player more than in any other sport because the individual's voice can get lost. Uh, it's not as important um, in football as, as any other sport. I, I, and it's the ultimate team sport, and it's been that way for a reason. And we talk about that often when we talk about overvalued quarterbacks and overvalued guys that can take in huge chunks of the salary cap in that aspect because of the team aspect of building a team of football is the hardest thing to do. And, and winning a Super Bowl as a team is, I think, the hardest accomplishment in sports, honestly, the way that that has to happen. You have to have a, a, a unified vision of it. And the division that something like a vaccine right now, for instance, with the NFL, is creating – um, already puts a team that has, you know, so many varying opinions about the matter in behind the eight ball, essentially, to start things off. If you've got guys that are, before even kicking off OTAs or getting into fall camp, that are already saying, we're not doing this, versus guys that are saying, you should because it's a team thing, that's a division that shouldn't exist and, you know, probably will have a, a bigger impact than we would initially think because there's division and it creates a, a, a separation of that team goal and two different routes to the same goal, so to speak. So that, to me, it, it, it is big. It, it's huge for football to be on the same page and have that same goal. Um, and I, I limiting distractions, and if vaccinations are a distraction, then you got to put that in that board. If you're a coach, and I think Gruden said something um, during media availability that he wants to have guys as close to 100% um, as far as vaccination goes so that it's not an issue. Like, we don't even have to think about that. We can just go forward with whatever, whatever our normal goals are without thinking about COVID so much this year. Caleb Herring, very positive spot. 
Definitely not bordering on any sort of uh, energy vampire. Just so you know, Adam Candy released his Cofield & Company energy vampire rankings earlier. Uh, number one is Ari. Number two is Adam Hill. Uh, I am number three. Next up, Caleb, we're going to have you release uh, your list of any energy vampire broadcasters who uh, call UNLV football and basketball. That should be interesting. You might get yourself in some hot water there, buddy. Holy cow. You're going to leave me with that responsibility? The, the, the pressure like- is on. The pressure I might lose is on. My job. No, just- <laughs> uh, yeah, no, here's what you do. You say, "Hey, you know what? I talked to I talked to my sources, uh, Marcus Arroyo and Kevin Kruger, and these are the rankings. It's that's on them. It's their call." So the, that, I think that's the perfect thing to do. I'm going to lean on their expertise. They're the ones who who you know have to deal with us the most. So I think let the chips fall where they may. Right? It, it's out exactly. of my hands. Exactly. All right, Caleb. Good job. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Coming up next, we talk uh, Coke and soccer. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 now. Who better to talk about food than these two? It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans. Oh, yeah. Yep, I'm chubby now. Candy used to have his uh, chubby moments. Candy also very familiar with the uh, the front and the back of the house. You know it, buddy. Family restaurant, bar. Well, today it appears, Adam Candy, for the Fat Pack, uh, we've got a couple of situations. Ronaldo and Coke? What's happening here? What are you trying to say? I don't know. Uh, are you spreading rumors? Ronaldo and Coke? Huh. Oh, you, you know what? That, that, that bottle of Coca-Cola that was on his uh, – that was on his – interview stand after the game um this was a fun story for like i don't know about an hour before we figured out that it was all (laughs) garbage but cristiano ronaldo removed a bottle of coca-cola let me be very clear coca-cola uh from the interview podium because he claims that he's all about the healthy lifestyle and and he he highlighted the water that was there he's not drinking coca-cola he's drinking water well the next day the share price of Coca-Cola falls by $4 billion. Does Cristiano Ronaldo have that kind of power? Does $4 he? $4 billion. Uh, apparently not. Okay. Apparently it was one one big thing that gained some uh, momentum on the internet. And then uh, Coca-Cola was like, yeah, no, that's that's not at all what happened. But, um, you know, Steve, it's not his first, not Cristiano Ronaldo's first brush with Coke. Um, Here we go. The first one was in April. Okay. Happened in New York. You didn't see the story? Do tell. 50 kilos of cocaine stamped CR7 for Cristiano Ronaldo were seized by the DEA in New York. CR7 branded cocaine. Now, do we know if he knew anything about it? I don't know. It's not my problem. I just know it has a name on it. And so I think it's a story. Guilty. Uh, Each break of cocaine... Contained the CR7 branding. An additional search of the apartment led authorities to $10,000 hidden in a closet. 50 packages of cocaine. Wow. Cristiano Ronaldo, not his first brush with Coke. Wow. Effective delivery. I had no idea. I still don't even know if any of this is real. I think the Coca-Cola part is, but the second part I have no clue. I will just trust you. Uh, I'm, you know, it's never gone wrong before. No. Never. Never. I have two sources on this one, so I believe it. 
Uh, we've got a big issue. Well, let, you know, let me uh, restate it. Uh, the Girl Scouts are in real trouble here. Is bankruptcy on the way? The Girl Scouts couldn't go bankrupt. That's too big to fail. The government would have to come in and, and scoop them up and, and, and prop up the young ladies out on the street. But this is serious. This is, this is truly serious where the Girl Scouts during COVID could not be out in front of the local grocery store or at the gas station, or in Steve Cofield's driveway, selling Girl Scout cookies. They could not go to all of the places where they knew they had guaranteed sales coming to them. And now there are 150 million boxes of unsold Girl Scout cookies just sitting there. And they're only good on the shelf for a year. What if shelf? you're a wuss. That's, that's the problem. If you're a if you're, wuss. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to eat freaking, what, 15-month-old, 18-month-old cookies of course i'm going to if i can chew them if i you know if i can chew through them my teeth don't break i'm good yeah i mean look those are the thin mints you just don't freeze because those are the ones that are going to be like hockey pucks and you got to be careful i see ari has put on his headphones i can't believe that the man who has the legendarily horrible taste in food wants to weigh in on girl scout cookies but okay against my better judgment go ahead ari I, I don't have anything to weigh in i was just getting ready um i want them i want these cookies i want access to these cookies do you actually like any girl scout I, cookies yes i love thin mints yes i know typical but they're amazing uh and the peanut butter there's a name the peanut butter Tag-a-lons. sandwich no 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 not the other ones like they're it's like chocolate with peanut butter and a cookie inside it's like a sandwich kind of doing a great job of describing them they're just the peanut butter cookies, not not the ones you just said. Peanut butter patties? There, I think that's what they're called, yeah. There's also a newer flavor of s'mores that came out a couple years ago, and they charge a dollar extra for for some reason. Those are Is really that good. right? Yeah. Oh, that, that just chapped my hide. Absolutely chapped Girlfriend. my hide when they were charging extra. By the way, Tagalongs, also known as peanut butter patties, so uh, Ari, as usual, among the uninitiated who didn't know what I was talking let me, about. Let me do some research here. 150 million boxes. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do about this, Cofield? I don't have a solution. I feel like these should go to 99 cent stores. They should be able to go on shelves. Um, I think the most shocking part of the story, did you mention the fact that, did they do yearly revenue of $800 million on Girl Scout cookies? Uh-huh. I did oh not God. mention that. Good good get, oh by the God. way. My God. You know why, what? Why, why is the price? Last time I bought them, they were like five bucks. Eight hundred million. They're six. You are they? Uh, Last year they, they were sick. They, they, they were just six keep going up. A, look at ah, oh, there, there you go. Thrifty Ari getting upset. Energy vampire. Oh, but wait, are, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to do something right now that is going to clearly make you uh, understand that I'm better than you. Uh, earlier this year, I found a way to order them online from a troop that is made up entirely of young homeless girls in New York. Uh, where all the money goes to this troop of Girl Scouts. And I not only paid for my cookies, I paid for extra boxes of cookies to be donated to the troop. Uh, I have a few of those Girl Scout cookies left here. But you know what I have 100% of? My superiority over you. Ari worried about the price going from 5 to $6. Another horrible moment. For Ari, the producer. That's Meanwhile, I'm buying $6 boxes to give to the homeless girls, and Ari is complaining that he has to spend an extra dollar. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Fins off a check. That elbow from Weber came up hot. Hold it again. Shoots. Score! 
On the left side, Nick Holden pinched in below the dot. He found an opening from a sharp angle, left wing side. Nick Holden with two goals in as many games. Vegas has a three goal lead. Four one nights with 10 minutes to play. Now, back to Coalfield and Company, live at Bailey Wick inside of the Orleans. Yeah, Holden, definitely one of the uh, crazy stories in the playoffs for the Golden Knights. We've got puck drop here in about an hour and 15 minutes. We bring in one of our gambling experts, certainly a hockey expert. You can hear him on Sirius XM Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio. Brian Blessing is up with Cofield and Candy. Brian, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's going on tonight? Not much. We were just talking about Girl Scout cookies and how we can get some of the surplus because apparently there's 150 million extra boxes. What Girl Scout cookie survives 116 degree heat best? Uh, that's a good point. I don't think the peanut butter cookies or the thin mints are going to do too well unless you're uh, no. borderline freezing them. No. Trefoils. <laughs> Trefoils, the shortbreads. Shortbreads? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Candy apparently is the expert I'm on the Girl I'm ready for Scouts. this. You're ready? Well done. <laughs> He's all ready. All right, Brian, let's get into uh, game one first before we look ahead to game two. Uh, you know, a question we were asking on the show the last – couple of days in reaction to the way Montreal played. Do you think they played away from their style, or is that their style, what they exhibited in game one? I think we'll know a lot more tonight, Steve, but I think it was pretty close. They're kind of a poor man's Islanders, that if they play with the lead, then they'll pack it in and count on their goaltender. First five minutes, they went for it. At some point, you got to get the lead. they got to score somewhere. They had their chances early in the game. Once Vegas got the lead, Montreal was chasing the game. It was a different animal. I think Montreal makes some adjustments. Vegas did a great job taking the neutral zone away from them. But if Montreal gets the lead, then Vegas may, you know, possession-wise, territorially control the game. But then the quality of shots could be a lot more difficult, a lot more block shots. And listen, Carey Price is a guy that can steal any game he goes out there. So... Listen, Montreal's mission was to get a split out of here, so there's still a lot of work to be done. Looks good right now. Looks real good right now for Vegas. You talk about Carey Price, uh, Brian, and he's obviously been fantastic in these playoffs. It felt like the opportunities that the Golden Knights created, maybe with the exception of the first goal um, by Theodore, were borderline unstoppable. I mean, you, 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 Carey Price would have had to perform some robbery there. What did Vegas do so well to make life difficult on him in game one? Well, Adam, two of the goals came right off face-offs. So, okay, the final was 4-1. The two of the goals came off set plays right off the face-off. Other than that, throughout the course of the game, Vegas is flying, creating a lot of chances. But Price was up to the task. I mean, that was a 10-bell save he made on March or so. Not a lot of goalies would have made that save. He's just a big athletic goaltender, and, you know, he's every bit as good as Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, he's had an incredible year. I think he should win the Vesna Tonight, I would look for this to be played pretty close to the vest. I, I think this could be like a 2-1, you know, empty netter, 3-1 kind of game. I, I think this is going to be a lot fewer quality scoring chances for both teams tonight. So the Montreal Canadiens essentially have a situation here where it feels, Brian, like they have a narrow path that they have to walk in order to win any game, right? They, they have to somehow limit 
the chances for Vegas, they have to stay out of the penalty box. And four minor penalties in game one, and some of them felt really poorly timed there for Montreal. Uh, What would you say overall, if you were to craft up a game plan for Montreal, is what they would have to do to win this game tonight? Well, Vegas did suffocate them in the neutral zone. I think they've got to gain the red line and dump it in. I think when we did this segment on uh, the show leading up to the end of the series with the Avs, that's what the Avs ended up doing. Thought that it took them two games too long to figure it out, is dump it in, get it in low, and really start working Vegas' defense and play from in front. I think that is the absolute key for Montreal. They literally had the lead in virtually every game before the other night. So it's be smart, you nail it, stay out of the penalty box, but play from in front and get the lead. And if they get the lead, then you'll see the chances for Vegas will be a lot more harder to come by because Montreal won't be taking chances and opening up trying to generate offense if they've got the lead. All right, so we look at the betting for this game tonight, where Golden Knights nearly out to three to one favorites in the series. Montreal you know, approaching plus seven hundred, plus seven fifty, depending on where you look. Uh, do you think there's going to be any value on the Golden Knights at any point left in in this series? What would it take for the Golden Knights to be, you know, a solid play? These numbers are stupid. I mean, <laughs> they're minus two seventy five. I mean, Carey yeah. Price is a world class goaltender. Vegas is clearly the better team. They're playing on their home ice. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I could see it being at like 215, 220, 275 is ridiculous. Even the puck line, you're laying significant juice. I mean, the number's just out of control. I mean, I, you know, to me, the plus price is the under five. Be plus 20 cents to play the game under five. Brian Blessing up with Cofield and company. Can I just go to a kind of an offbeat topic? The uh, Knights fans really enjoyed themselves at the end of the game, game one. Uh, wave was going on. There was beach ball gate. You're a longtime hockey guy, and maybe you're on the side of the old and crusty, but I, I do get annoyed with the complaints about Vegas fans uh, with regards to stuff like beach balls being classless. Where do you fall on this one? Oh, no, I mean, I'm over the hill on the old guy thing. There's nothing I can do about that. But, <laughs> but, no, but I have no issue with this. This is Vegas. This is it's their M.O. It's the way they do things here. It's their thing. Yeah, but then the wave maybe, you know, that's a, maybe the wave's kind of a little too goofy and, you know, copycatish. But Vegas is unique. People hate the flair in the show before they Who cares? I mean, personally... I love with the like the Islanders. They've got an organ, and their fans are going to go ballistic. These people are insane. It's like a World Cup soccer game. Yep. That's how they do it. That's fine. Vegas. These people are paying. Steve, what's the average ticket price for this game tonight? It's got to <laughs> be in excess of four hundred bucks. Right. If they're having fun, they're paying for it. Let them do whatever they want. Exactly. And even as uh, dumb as Gary Bettman is, he's not dumb enough to say, "Hey, this is bad for the sport." It's good for the sport. Brian, you worked for a long time in Buffalo, so you know a little closer to Montreal than we are now. What's your? How would you tell, or how would you describe to people who don't follow hockey what the Canadians fans are like? Well, they travel incredibly well. I yeah, think 
there were some, you know, had fans at the game the other night. The Snowbirds probably hopped on planes from Florida and came here. Yep. Um, up in Montreal, they can't stand each other, but, but they love each other when it comes to their hockey. Um, <laughs> you know, if you, you go up there to speak English to a French person up there, you're lucky if you don't get an elbow in the Adam's apple. Yeah. Uh, but they rally around this hockey team. And honestly, the thing I feel bad for them, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but they're letting 4,500 people go into these games, but 30,000 people are going to be outside the arena going bananas. Let 9,000 people in the building. Oh, I didn't know they had the large gathering outside the building. Did you see it after they beat the Leafs? They were like, All right. well, listen, these people celebrate worse when they win than when they lose. They win and they burn cars. <laughs> my, my ignorance on the, the great gathering outside the arena, that's interesting. Uh, let's close on this, uh, shifting gears for one second. U.S. Open on the way. Uh, we're hearing a lot of Phil tickets at different shops around town. Is Phil worth any play? And then uh, if not, well, if he is or not, um, do you have someone you've targeted as a value play? Yeah. I mean, my approach usually, Steve, is I don't look at anything less than 40, 50 to 1 on the way in. And then Friday night after two rounds before moving day, make a real firm decision. But where I'm going here, Curtis Strange, Lee Jansen, Brett Kepka's won multiples. Listen, I'm looking for guys that have won the U.S. Open before, and they're all juicy prices. Gary Woodland, Justin Rose, and Webb Simpson, they're all in excess of 50 to 1. Like Some of them are up, and Woodland's up around 80. These are guys that know how to win U.S. Open. I think uh, Siwoo Kim's a home run play, like in excess of 100 to 1. But I think that's what you do. This course is going to be lightning fast. The only thing they're going to have to deal with in San Diego is the marine layer. You know, maybe you have to wait to tee off in the morning. But no rain. These greens are going to be linoleum by Sunday. So it, it's going to be fun. The winning margin Jeff Sherman at the Superbook put up, or the winning score was four and a half under par. The USGA is going to have complete control of the golf course because weather is not an issue. So it's going to be a true test here. Fairways and greens. Brian, what are you doing for the game tonight? Uh, well, it's 116 degrees. I'm in, indoors. <laughs> okay. Indoors, watching it, maybe jump in the pool between periods. and <laughs> That's the way to do it, man, on a day like this. Everybody Absolutely. stay cool. Hi, right, Brian. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great night. Uh, coming up next, Big Five, we'll get into what's going on around Major League Baseball uh, with now an injured pitcher who is saying, hey, all this uh, sticky stuff, ban, that screwed me over. And talk about being screwed over. We'll get into what happened uh, with Kawhi Leonard and also Chris Paul. And, of course, a lot more preview of the Vegas Golden Knights game number two as they try to take a 2-0 lead in this series against Montreal. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.